Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, reading the words of Jesus from Matthew 25. And he's talking about to, to those he's given opportunities and giftings and talent. And he says, to each according to his own ability. And then immediately he went on a journey. And then he goes on to say, because he was going to come back and check on how well we did with what he gave us and what we did with it. So, Father, thank you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Calvary Christian Center is nearing, won't be long, 60 years since our church was birthed. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And new ministries have been birthed in that season, and some ministries now are in the embryonic stage. Unlimited capacity to do ministry as we've never dreamed before. And God has helped us. We're only here because God has helped us. Yet there's so much more to do, and it involves growth. And growth always means change, and that means potential for some discomfort for a few who tend to be resistant when change comes. It's time for a Calvary Christian Center to step into her destiny and purpose. We need to meet the needs of a 21st century culture. And the message doesn't change, but we have to prepare ourselves and adapt ourselves to meet the need of our day. God has appointed us for such a time as this. And while I know what my giftings are, some people in our church are still searching for their gifts. Others have failed to implement them and use them as God has designed them. So we must always, therefore, equip and build leaders in the church. And every one of you has an amazing gift. Every one of you has a valuable contribution to make to our church. And many still have yet to become team players. And these are things I think about when I finally lay down at night, the things that kind of keep me awake, disturb my rest, because our church has a better future than it has a past. The church has to go forward, and she will, if all of its members are equipped and functioning in their gifts in the body. And there are too many untapped assets that sit in our pews every single Sunday in three services. We've got to do better. So I want to preach and teach better. You need to be equipped better. We must embrace our future and our purpose to be a regional church, and by God's grace, I'm not going to fail in the mission that God's assigned me to, and that is to equip our church for its dynamic future. Everybody can bring something to the table. So here's the cry of my heart, that every child, every student, every adult, married or single, every person sitting on the sidelines would get in the game, get involved, and help us to build a powerful church to take us to God's purpose. I know what's going to happen. Thousands of people will be blessed, but I don't like feeling the feeling that that all rests on my shoulders. That's a seven-day-a-week ministry, but all too many want to just relax and not get involved and be plugged in, as everyone should be. People who love Jesus, mm-hmm, saved, yep, who read the Bible, they pray, but don't engage and connect because they basically see church on Sunday as an event. I do church on Sunday and then I leave. I have an event. Gathering for worship is the event on the Lord's Day. And the mindset is, well, I want my freedom. The American dream is to be independent. 
get everybody's hooks off of me so I can do what I want to do with my life. Well, there are all too many that I'm speaking to, and here's the basic philosophy that many have about the church. I don't really want to be involved that deeply. I believe in everything that you're doing. But what happened in that last service was amazing, and I'll, I'll come to church, and I know exactly what time to get here to get my parking space, and I know exactly where my seat is, and if I hurry and get everything down pat, I can get in my seat, and then I can put some money in the offering bag when it comes by, and I'm out of here as soon as the pastor isn't looking in my direction at the altar time, and I'm going to beat the crowd into the parking lot, and then I'm gone, and I love you, pastor, and I thank God for you. You're my pastor, and I, I stand with you. I'm the best I can be, but I am busy. And you know what? I completely understand that. I have the same issues you have. I'm here seven days a week, working, studying, going to meetings, planning, administrating, ministering to people. I hear you. It's a busy and distracting day we live in. There are so many things happening in people's lives. You know, we're running a pretty big organization uh, here at Calvary Christian Center, just like you may be in your business. I have administrative issues. Uh, early in the ministry, those were minimal. Now they want to take all my time. A lot of stuff that hits me every single day. And it would be so easy to just adopt the mindset, well, I love God. I have a personal walk with Jesus. I'll go to church and do Sunday, but then I'm out of here. Too many people in church today fail to understand that God has given you a unique and specific calling in the body of Christ, not just in the business world. And when you stand before him one day, he's going to ask you, what did you do with the gift? What did you do with the talent, the calling? You've been God called. You've been commissioned. You've been ordained by God to fulfill a specific calling in this church body. And you and I will face the master one day. That disturbs me. You know, I'm excited to see Jesus, but I'm also a little disturbed about it because I know I haven't fulfilled everything I need to fulfill. And the object is not guilt today. But I want to speak into your lives because there's a trend happening in our American church. I see more and more people who were engaged in the body developing the mindset, let somebody else do it now. I've already done that. The Holy Spirit has dealt with my heart about this. The Lord placed on my heart a template that he's given us in the book of Acts for his church. And look at the Santiago's. They're not quitting. So let somebody else do that. They said, let's, let's keep going. Amen? See? When people go, well, you know, uh, I don't want to get that, that involved, and I just don't want to do that. I don't want my name on anybody's list, and I don't want anybody calling me, and I, you know, I love you, Pastor, but I don't want to be bothered. I've got too much stuff in my life. Don't have the time. I want Sunday to be my day off. Boy, that's kind of interesting when you compare it with what Jesus and the Scripture teaches us about the Lord's Day. I just want to do a service, and then I want to relax. You know, the good news is his church can go on without you and me. God's not that small. But the bad news is his church will be okay, but you will not be okay. And I want to prove that to you biblically. I want you to get God's big picture and perspective on how he sees this. It doesn't matter how you see yourself. It matters how God sees you. And here's how he sees you for, because his son 
paid for us. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all in in all and living through all. Notice the word one in that passage, how often it's used in that expression. Ephesians 4 and 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's amazing. And listen to what Paul's saying. He said, to each of us, a special gift. And that word means enabling grace, talent, gift, special ability, something that you can do that others can't do. Paul is saying, there's something about you you're empowered to do. Every person uniquely gifted. So for instance, if someone in the room were to start to choke, most people would just freeze not knowing what to do. Others would be paralyzed because of the shock of that happening nearby, startled. But somebody here would immediately know exactly what to do and could save the life of a person choking. Another person may have great organizational skill. He or she would never step up here to speak to anybody, but they have amazing organizational capabilities. Another is great behind the scenes, helping to make sure everything falls in place. A talented leader to pull together individuals to fill a role, and they can see exactly where people should fit in the picture, a gifted person. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying that God has given to every one of you a divine enablement. For some, an organizer, a musical ability, a gift to give, a gift to sew or cook or clean, a gift to teach or to mentor or to construct or to assist or to pray with intercession but it will stress you out to be squeezed into a ministry you're not gifted for. For the one gifted to organize, you're great with an assignment to organize. For the one who doesn't have the gift to organize, if somebody tries to make you organize, it stresses you out. For some, you're just a loving, caring person. You can stand out in the courtyard and smile and bless people as they come in while they're struggling and cheer them up. Others are not gifted very well for one-on-one and you're uncomfortable with that. Every person in this body, though, has a differing gift. And this is how the Holy Spirit constructed the body of Christ. It's the master plan of Jesus. And when each uses his or her gift, the whole body is blessed. Are you listening? Some of you can teach. Others of you, if you tried to teach, everybody would yawn. You can host. You can provide coffee. You can push the start button on the DVD player for the lesson. Some are gifted with the ability to generate wealth. Paul said that every person as God looks at the body that he's constructed, every one of you is seen by him as a part of the body, his body. You are a part of his body. Every one of you has a divine enablement. So, However, he has given to each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. 
Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So what does that mean? That means we're here to coach and to help and to show you how this work should be done. It's, it's, it's our responsibility to equip God's people to do his work. Why did, did you hear the missionary last Sunday night talk about that? Why did God give the church coaches, those listed in the passage? Why did God enable you? Why did God grant you a gift in a specific area so it could be developed, harnessed and developed and let loose in the body of Christ? When people ask you, how did you do that? And your simple answer, I don't know. I just know how to do it. What, what you have is a gift, a capability. That's your answer. Now watch. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children, and we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. My goodness, that has happened so many times. Mm. What's this all about? He just said, the reason God gives every believer a differing gift is that the whole body will grow up and no one therefore remains immature, no longer babies in the body of Christ. So let me illustrate. It's kind of crude. But you'll get the point. It's not very Trumpish, but it's crude. Okay. Let me, okay. Let's imagine a child. You take that child, the child's playing one day, and a very bad accident happens. And that child loses a hand in that accident. They can't reattach it. There's a severed hand disconnected from the body it belonged to. And uh, so they move it, of course, to the side. It's no longer a part of that body. If you just took that part, and placed it over in a corner and let it sit there, you know, the limb that was severed will heal up on the person's body where the, there was an amputation. Over the next decade, that body of the child will grow and mature and grow right on into adulthood. Yet the part that was disconnected from the body no longer grows. The rest of the body has grown. But you know what has happened to the severed part of the body that's no longer connected. It's no longer engaged. It no longer interacts with the rest of the body. And do you know what happens to the severed part? It shrivels up. It dries up. It decays. It's dead. It's of no use. And here you would have a grown body on the one side and developing and maturing, but a part of that body that never grew, just shriveled and died. And the rest of the body hurts and misses the role that that severed part plays. And you're cut off from the life you need to survive because you're no longer a part of the body. Let me say to you, if you're not engaged, if you're not working in ministry, if you're not involved in using the gift God gave you, if you're not in your work, even though you may be doing that in the workplace, even though you may be functioning well every day during the the, the hours that you labor, In the body of Christ where he planted you, that's where you need to be functioning with the gift that God gave you because you are a part of the body of Christ. You're connected 
personally to Jesus Christ. But your body part may be separated from the rest of the body. And here's what really scares your pastor. As Calvary grows and develops and matures, if you don't reconnect the unattached part to the body, then the scripture says you will remain immature. And it shows itself in a variety of ways when there's immaturity in a part that has not grown, it's not developed. The slightest little thing. And though they've been in the church decades, as Calvary Christian Center grows, we've got to watch our development. Many people believe that the way you become a mature Christian, this is the concept our culture has. The way you become a mature Christian, you read the Bible, you pray, occasionally join us in a fast, come to church, and do your service on Sunday. That's not what Paul said here. That's not how we mature. Paul is saying the way you stop being an infant and a baby in Christ is you have to take your part. You have to play the role God assigns you. All of us are parts of the body, and we don't get to choose a mouth, an ear, a hand, a foot, a heart. And Paul said one part of the body can't say to the other part of the body, I don't need you. Paul said when you don't engage, when you don't connect, your, when you don't plug your part into the rest of the body, you're dying. Well, pastor, I, I just don't understand. You know, I'm born again. And I love Jesus. I know something's missing in my life. I know what's missing in your life. This is how to be a miserable Christian, to do what I just described. This is how you never grow, yet you sit in the pew week after week. You're hearing message after message of truth, but not engaging, never connecting, not using the part that God gave you to play in the body of Christ. And when you don't engage with the rest of the body for the purposes that God created you, then the whole body is not functioning the way it should. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the way the church should look in our culture. You're not just like that part of the body disconnected, sitting aside, isolated, while the rest of the body is growing because they're connected to one another as the body of Christ. And now you're out of step with what Jesus wants because he's the head and what he says to the body is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, when Jesus walked around on earth, he was the body of God. He was God's mouth. He was God's ears. He was God's hands, his feet. Listen, when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to his people, the church. And he said, now you are the body of Christ. And what we've got in the church are hundreds of pieces of the body, isolated, lying around, disconnected. And I I feel the huge pressure of that. There's way too much ministry on one or two people's shoulders. And God did not design his church to function like that. He placed amazing gifts in this body. All too few use theirs to their capacity. I see people who use their leverages in business to build it. You've got gifts and talents, and your gifts open all kinds of doors. Those gifts provide you a home and a family and leisure, and nothing wrong with using that ability to be blessed and prosperous in your life. 
But that is not God's ultimate purpose for gifting us. God's ultimate purpose is for you not just to have the gift to use in the business world. God says, I want every one of you to use your gifts in my body to cause my body to grow. Amen. The reason God wants you to take your divine enablement and come alongside other believers and hook up with them is this. What we can produce together is what we could never produce alone. Amen? And when people walk into the church that's functioning in all the gifts and all the talent, people are using their divine enablements. It's the closest encounter that people will ever have with the literal presence of Jesus. It's the body of Christ activated and engaged, and people get to know the Lord watching the body function. (laughs) Let me read this email. A woman wrote, she was fasting and praying for her husband's salvation. And, and finally, after a number of years go by, he's decided, she's been asking him to come to church, come to church. Finally, they struck a deal. And, and, and this is what she wrote. She, she would meet his needs if he would meet her needs. And she said, it worked. Okay. So the next Sunday morning, he's ready. He gets dressed and comes to church. He even has his Bible. And she said, all week long, when I knew he was finally going to show up for church on Sunday, because I waited all these years. I prayed for my pastor. God, help him have a message that will touch the heart of my husband. And he prayed, the husband did, that he could park close so he didn't have to walk. And he kind of had a little attitude. And when he got in the parking lot, he said, this can't be church. There are too many cars here. This must be be having a show or something else, because all the preacher wants is money anyways. That's all he wants. But she kept praying, and she got him in the door without a problem, and finally over to the nursery, and, and everyone had a good attitude. And his kids felt safe. The people were friendly. The ushers and greeters paid attention to him. There was no rudeness, and, and they, the one who seated them was, not, was kind to them and friendly, and the worship was anointed. And in her email, she describes her prayer requests. That's what she's talking about in her prayer requests because she's waited years for this day to come. What she was really saying was, I need about 20 people to partner with me to win my husband, to change his life, to let him meet and see Jesus Christ. You see, this is not something that's just done on a platform. It wasn't up to the pastor alone to reach that man that day. The message started out in the parking lot. The message continued on in the nursery, right? In the kids' church. The message starts all over this campus when people pull in and enter this facility. What if it was your husband that was lost or your your son or your daughter? What if it had been your dad that hadn't been to church in years? What if it was a family member of yours, your mom lost on her way to hell? What would it mean to you to know that this was a place where the whole body functioned? They could find and meet Jesus from the moment they got out of their car to the moment they left and went home. Right. Man, it's not a mouth up here that's just speaking. That's not the entirety of the body of Christ. They need to meet Jesus in the parking lot and Jesus in the courtyard and Jesus helping find a seat, his body using their gifts and talents. And what I have to somehow get across is somehow you have to come out of the stands and get into the game. We have hundreds of people who have amazing gifts but have never crossed the line from spectators to participators because we, have all, we all have this obligation to our Savior 
to get up and say, I owe Jesus my life, so I will give him my best. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Let me read it again. In view of God's mercy. Anybody here had the mercy of God applied? How many continue to need the mercy of God? To offer what? Yourselves, your bodies as living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And we need to tap that gift. Organize that talent. Train that ability. Maximize the potential. But I have a dream. And when I see long term what has begun here and what God wants to continue to do, it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to change. Small groups, couples getting marriage support, people with addictive behaviors being guided through recovery so they can be strong once again, connections, wiring together the body of Christ, developing leaders, and you use your leverage every day out in the, in the world, in the, in the business culture, your talent, your ability, whatever you have. Use that leverage daily to do the things you want to do, of course. But when you stand and say, God, give me, give me, give me, give me a house, give me a better job, bless my business, heal my body, heal my family, and God keeps giving and giving and giving. And and God, by the way, keep giving to me in the future. And by the way, God, I really don't have time to give to you, but God, give me, give me, and I'll show up on Sunday But pastor, don't be obligating me to anything and don't keep expecting me to show up beyond that or sacrifice anything. I'll show up when I can. I'll throw something in the bag. But you go get him, pastor. I'm behind you. That's what the culturalized church in Western society looks like. And it's not acceptable to Jesus. And it's not acceptable to me. And it should never be acceptable to you. It's also the fault of too many pastors who accept that as the norm. But how many know you have a pastor up here who's willing to change and ready to change? Amen? I have been changing and will continue to change. (laughs) Growth means change. When you stop growing and changing, you're dead. So today I'm calling all of us to change, to get out of the stands and connect on the battlefield because we're in a war and the eternal destiny of your families is the prize. And if we believe what we say we believe, there is a heaven, there is a hell, people are going to spend forever in one of those two places. And then this is not something we play with. This is not a little club we belong to. This requires our best, the best use of our gifts, the best use of my gifts, This requires a spirit of excellence. It requires everybody doing his or her best. So when that man drives into the next service with his wife, he may look around and say during the service, you know, I have to admit, this people, this body, this place, wow, I haven't yet bought that guy up there on the platform because he still says stuff that ticks me off. But these people are passionate. 
That guy that shook my hand, what was that all about? These greeters in the parking lot. How about the way they treated our children? Look how these people volunteer. There's something real about this. And folks, that's contagious. That spreads. You don't know why you're dying spiritually? Because you're dry, stagnant. It's because your gift is over there isolated, shriveling. And you think it's pastor's job to pump you up every Sunday. (laughs) It's pastor's job to fire you up. I do that every service, but it's also your job to commit and jump into the middle because your ultimate purpose on earth is not just to be blessed so you have a comfortable and successful life. Your purpose is all about his kingdom. And Paul said in Ephesians, when this happens, the whole body grows. Not when just one mouthpiece in the pulpit shows up and does something somewhat good on a Sunday. But when everybody gets in his or her place and is connected in the body, an amazing phenomenon takes place. God's calling every one of us. Well, Pastor, what do you want from me? I need you to be here Sundays in worship, engaged, not just sitting, engaged. Secondly, to pray, God, use me. Very dangerous three words, because he will. God, use me. Commit discovering the purpose of the New Testament importance of belonging to a small group, because everybody needs others. And that's how you discover the blessings that other people are to you in his body. Well, they're different. Yes, there's a reason for that because God wants you to learn to make modifications in the way you do life so that you can adjust to people who are a little different than you are. And revisit the old song, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. Not the way we've revised it today. I'll go where I want to go and I'll be where I want to be. And you might say, well, I'm not sure where I'm gifted, Pastor. Well, our team will help you learn. How about that? That's our God-given assignment. And be humble enough to serve Jesus anywhere we see you're gifted to serve. No matter what it is. Pushing a mop. You name it. Name it. We've done it. That's the spirit of Jesus. We all serve. And when you do that, you watch. Growth begins again. Life begins again. Impact begins again. And you know that every soul redeemed, everybody who's been here serving, you all share in that act of redemption. We all get blessed by that. Amen? There's only about, on average, 20% of congregations work diligently, and the other 80%, quite frankly, sit back with their amazing gifts locked up in isolation. Jesus wants every one of his followers to bear fruit with his or her gift. And it's, un- it's time to unwrap your gift. And I'm asking you, listen, to say, I will get off the sidelines. I've spectated long enough. I've attended this church, and that's all about what I've done. It's time for me to give back. It's time for me to participate. I'm not speaking about your money. I'm speaking about you. We, he needs you, and we are designed to need each other. Every one of us has a place, and not everybody's going to be on a stage, 
We have to have people behind the scenes. But everyone and his or her gifts is a part of the body, and your part plays an equal role in the salvation of that person who comes here or to your small group for the first time. It's time for us to get that together. How many know that God has made you for a purpose and equipped you to be a part of his body? How many know that's the way God designed it? Everybody should know that. And here's the call. Thinking of the future, thinking of the goals ahead and the growth that God has. I know the things we have to implement. And I'm burdened about it because I see such amazing opportunities in the seats of our church that need to be cultivated and engaged. I want to look back a year from now and see this place operating at a level like nothing we've ever seen in our history. People committed, serving, unlike anything we've enjoyed in the past. Being a blessing, we become then an unstoppable team. We are known as the body of Christ. And everyone getting his or her gift out of isolation and connected, say, well, you know, I work with my hands. I, I, I can do carpentry work and finish work. Wonderful. We've got an opportunities for you. Well, I can't sing. That's okay. A lot of us can't sing all that well. But you can find your ministry simply by looking at the giftings that God's equipped you with. And we'll help you point those out. We need mentoring and women mentoring, young boys and young girls. Do you remember when you were 10 years old, how big people looked when you walked up to them, how they spoke to you, and the impact they had on your life? There are memories I have from childhood that shaped the direction of my life. And we need adult, mature believers who will help mentor the next generation. Some of you have coached kids in our community. How about plugging in and coaching kids in the body of Christ? Jesus needs you. And we know this, only what's done for the Savior is going to last. You'll be better. We'll be better. His church will be better. And the soul that was lost, that becomes found, <laughs> is better because of it. And here's something that all of us need to hear. The end of the map is not when we were born again. Well, I got, I'm born again now. I'm reading my Bible. I'm, you know, come to church every Sunday, and I'm okay. That's not the end of the map. The map is a continuation of the unfolding of the call of God on your life. You find your gift, and you begin to unwrap it, and you begin to use it in the body of Christ. Your born-again experience wasn't the end of the map. Mm -mm. It's the beginning of a roadmap to building the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's stand together. Take a moment and thank the Lord. Father, I love you. I bless you. I thank you. I praise you for your truth.